Welcome to Talking Art Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in on our current topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And today's episode is entitled, The Non-Decision. For those of you just dropping in, uh, Greg and I have been friends for a long time. And I believe we have both been really, really busy with a whole bunch of things going on right now. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a very productive few weeks. I don't think I've ever worked this hard, to be quite frank with you. Uh, maybe it's just my age, but I, I feel that uh, I know what your schedule's like, and I know what mine's like. Besides doing this, we have real jobs and we do other things. But I find uh, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty right on right now. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, when when it's something that's purposeful work or things that you're enjoying, actually, I get energized by it. So right now, I am actually energized by it. But you know, they, it does catch up on you sometimes. I've spent a lot of time in front of the computer right now. And uh, Greg and I, before we came on air, I was just commenting on my posture, how bad it is, and that I need to uh, be a little bit more mindful when I'm sitting in front of the computer. And I've actually watched a video on uh, some experts saying how you should be sitting there and how things should be lined up. And I think I need to go do a, a retread of that course. Well, I just got a, uh, um, probably about six months ago or so, I got one of those rising desks. And it does make a big difference because it just simply allows you to move. So I pull it up sometimes and I'll stand for a bit and then I'll sit back down and then I got a better chair. And those things are so important. And I think many people working from home are recognizing it's those little things that make such a big difference. And I've heard of companies going, listen, we know you've been at home for a while. There's things that you need. Uh, it's a nightmare for us to send it to you. So we're going to cut you a check for a certain amount of money. If there's something that you need, please, you know, make the investment and buy what you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. The best companies are doing that. So uh, just to continue, uh, Greg and I have been managers for a long time. We've both benefited from other people assisting us in our management development. In every episode, we're going to discuss a situation where we and others have missed the mark. Uh, we're going to discuss how we have observed others successfully manage these situations, people that we have uh, used as an example that have been very helpful to us. And we're always going to have an underlying theme of a good discussion. We're going to have a good discussion today, Greg. We always have great discussions. I'll, I'll push it up to great discussions. So uh, let's set this up. During dealings with your manager, you experience some or all of the following. You've been working on something and it's time for the decision. And your boss has gone silent. You've been working on something and it's ready to go, but your boss fusses and asks for more work that doesn't need to be done or for another version of the report and you are getting frustrated. Your boss is being argumentative about small, perhaps nothing items, none of the major items, but it's time for the decision. All the work is done. It's time for the decision and your boss passes the buck to another boss or their boss, or they put it back on you, although everyone knows it's the boss's call. So how does this affect our relationships and the work environment? Well, it's like all of them, right? You're, you're, uh, you're um, dismayed, you're uh, frustrated by the delay, um, especially if it's something you've put your heart and soul into and you've worked hard and you've got it to a point where you're feeling really good about it and then it stalls or, or worse yet, just kind of disappears and you don't know what's going on with it. It can leave you... Uh, disenfranchised and, uh, and frustrated for sure, uh, especially if there's no clarity. And in the situations you've described, 
It's like, there's no answer. So even no is, is a better answer than nothing. I could see myself on both sides of this, especially earlier on uh, being a, a manager or a supervisor type person. And I find as I became more experienced, I became less tolerant to people that wouldn't make the decision or were trying to bypass the decision or delay it, uh, all those types of things. And uh, I've seen some really, really good people uh, in the decision-making mode. And I remember this, this one guy, um, I was kind of new into management and he's one of the people that uh, I've actually based my approach uh, to it and that I learned a lot from. And I remember one day somebody came up to him and said, listen, this is what's going on. What do we do? And it was quite novel. I'd never, I was standing there and I'd never been in that situation. And I loved what he said. He goes, I don't know, but there's this guy who talks about this stuff all the time. This is his telephone number. Give him a call, find out what we should do. Then you call, then you come back and tell me so that we can tell everybody else, or at least have it in the can in case we face this situation again. And to me, it was such an enlightening moment where he didn't pretend he knew what the answer was. He knew a decision had to be made, but he also knew he didn't have the technical background or, or anything like that to be able to make it. And he charted a course. Okay, we got, we have to solve this. We have to figure out how we can make a decision in this situation. And to me, it was just so enlightening. Yeah, that's right. That is, that is awesome. I, I'm just uh, in the midst of reading a, a great book called rules, no rules, the Netflix story. And Netflix is the total opposite. They actually give all the decision-making as close to the decision as they can. So it's actually a fascinating process of what they do. So you're not waiting for decisions. You actually have to provide context of the decision, why you're doing it and that type of thing. But they give the authority and the power to the people that are making the decision. So uh, later on, as we're going through, what are some of the things you can do? Um, it's probably not for everybody, but boy, oh boy, uh, they have a nice construct of how it's done. And, but then they allow others to do it in such an opposite situation than what you've described here. Cool, cool. So let's uh, talk about some common sense things as a manager to help deal with these situations. And a lot of these points are, are set up so that when you get to that point, you feel comfortable with it and it's time to go. The first one, make sure you communicate what the project or issue is clearly to the people you're giving the project or issue to. Yeah, and, and I, I think at least the last five uh, podcasts that we've done, we've reinforced the importance of being plantfully quick, being upfront, having the right people around the table and being really crisp and clear of all of the things you're working on. Uh, and often where these non-decisions or lack of information or shifting uh, needs um, issues occur are when there is not clarity upfront and uh, so this communication of what you're trying to solve uh, and what, what the project involves is so, so important upfront. I've had these types of decisions, uh, non-decisions throughout my career uh, where, you know, I thought I understood what we were doing and all of a sudden it comes time for the decision. It's like, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I expected. I'm not making a decision on this. We're back to square one. And it's, ha it's happened a few times where I thought 100% I knew what was going on. There was no doubt in my mind. So these things do happen and, and with the best of intentions, but it's a, it's a reality sometimes. I agree. I agree. 
And along that vein, the next one is clearly lay out your expectations and give an opportunity for people to ask questions, clarifying questions, or any question that's going to make them walk away from the table confident that they know what's expected. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than, you know, the old analogy about climbing up the wrong ladder and you're, you're, you're making good progress upwards, and then you find out you're on the wrong house, the wrong tree. It's, I mean, being clear of those expectations up front are really important. And outline how and when you want updates and reports so that when the decision, when it is decision time, you have all the information, you've seen the pro- uh, progression of the, of the issue or the project, and there's really no surprises. It, it comes down to a couple of clear choices or maybe a, a yes or no answer, whatever it is. But it's so important that when it's decision time, it, everything isn't a surprise. You've been updated properly. You're satisfied with that you understand the process and what's been going on. Yeah. And you know what, the, the last two things really have a lot to do to who you are too. And, you know, in many of the podcasts, we talk about the importance of a manager knowing how they work innately and also knowing how others work innately. So I've worked with folks that are, I use a tool called the Colby and one of the measurements is fact finder. So those with a higher uh, need for facts require more things up front. Uh, and and require probably a little bit more check on check in. There's also a, a mode that's around follow through, which is all around process orientation. So if you know yourself, uh, it is much better to be able to talk to the person who's running the project to say, okay, you know me. I like to read the reports ahead of time. So you provide me that information up front. And if I have that, then I can make really good and fast decisions. If I don't have it, I can't. So that's who I am innately and what I need. The same thing with this report, setting up time for feedback. There are some folks that I don't want to know uh, that the stuff that's going on all the time. Don't need to update me every day. Let's meet on every other week. And here are the four things. What are the four kind of measurements that we're going to know that the project is on track? So we will get to a quick decision when we get there. So know yourself and what you need and also and articulate that, share that with the people who are leading the project. It's going to make it so much easier. I love that because we're kind of in the meat of the manager side of things. And as an employee, I'm one of these people tell me what you want, then give, leave the lane alone and let me go and do what I want to do. And I, as an employee, because no matter what position I've ever held, I'm also an employee. That's something that I have to keep in mind that um, sometimes, you know, it's important for me to know what the boss wants when they want reports or updates and stuff, because I'm fine by myself. I'll just go along. And if I need to ask a question or clarify something, I certainly will. But the rest of the time, no news is good news t- for me. And I have to remember that some people need uh, something different from me and I got to be okay with that. Yeah. Don't let your folks guess. I mean, you know, if you've been working with someone for a long time, then maybe you, you kind of know how they work. Uh, but often people don't know how you work and it's not good. It's not bad. It's just who innately you are. So, you know, be upfront and say, Hey, here's what I value. Here's what I need. And it makes it so much easier because if they don't know, it's like kind of, walking around in the dark and, uh, you know, taking guesses at what person needs. And then by the time you get to decision, you've missed the mark and you won't get a decision. So uh, yeah, definitely be clear. 
And uh, you kind of uh, uh, suggested this already, but provide good feedback and correction when necessary. If during one of these updates or you get an email update or whatever it is, you see, wow, we're, we're off the, the path just a little bit, or maybe we've taken on more than we should be in this project or issue. Uh, be very prompt with that. Come back and say, hey, listen, thanks for the update. I think you know we're, this is getting too big. It's not. We need to bring it back in. We need to stay focused. Very, very important to give feedback so that when we get to that decision-making point, we're not making a decision on something much bigger or much smaller than we thought it was. Yeah, and you know what? Sometimes managers, uh, depending on where you are and your growth, uh, are afraid to do that. You know, they kind of want to be the nice person or they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, but I'll tell you, having an early on conversation around uh, correction that is necessary is a lot less frustrating than not saying something in the end, not being able to give a decision because they were so far down the pathway the wrong way. So uh, be courageous, be brave, give them the feedback. We all like to be liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. And be open to the conversation and ideas flowing around. We may be as managers locked in, okay, we're going to get to this point and then I'm going to make the decision. But along the way, you know, there's, there's turns, there's, there's things you got to go around, there's things you can't obtain. And it's really important to be open uh, during that process so that when we get to the decision-making point, we go like, yeah, where's that thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, we couldn't get it. We couldn't feed it into the program. So we just dropped it off. Well, I probably would have liked to have known that. And maybe we should have reassessed at that time. So very, very uh, important to be open so that people, if they are experiencing difficulties or there's an issue that you're open and maybe they come up with a solution to it, but you can only do those things if you're open and you're willing to enter into conversations. Yeah. And if you don't have that safe space that people can uh, come to you and tell you when something is off track, or maybe they've got an issue in that type of thing, uh, equally the other side, right? If you don't, if you're not creating the environment where people can come and say they're struggling or, or they not get, they're not getting the information they need or something is off track, better again to know it early because you can fix stuff early, but when it's further down the pathway, it's hard. And when it comes time to make the decision or a decision, it could be, uh, there could be a series of decisions in the process before you make it to the big decision. You have to make it. Yeah. And I, I've said this a couple of sessions ago, a couple of podcasts ago is that someone taught me earlier on that the power of making a decision is so important. And, and there are three ways you can answer almost everything. Yes. Uh, no. And here's why. Or not now, uh, and here's what I need. Or, or uh, three, three but, but at least all of those are answers. The worst is when there's no answer or no decision. Um, so go with the three. Pick one. And believe it. Yeah, exactly. And if you need to bring in other managers or bosses because certain aspects of the decision belong to them, articulate that with the people involved. And bring them along in that process if possible. Sometimes when we're solving a problem or we're dealing with an issue, all of a sudden we're in somebody else's department or on somebody else's patch. And you as a manager go, okay, I can make a decision about my aspects of this, but now we have to bring in Greg because our solution to this involves him and some of his people and some of his resources. So uh, I'm all for this right now, but we better bring in Greg because I can't make a decision uh for him or his department. So this is the situation we find ourselves in. So, Hey, 
Uh, I'm going to schedule a meeting with him and some of his people. I'm going to need a couple of you to come along uh, to explain some of the more finite parts of this. So uh, that's where we are, folks. Yeah. And, you know, uh, again, as a leader, you can make this so much more effective if at the beginning you have a dialogue and think about, first of all, who needs to be at this table? Who will be impacted by this project or this decision? Who should we bring around the table earlier on to have those discussions? The earlier you do it, the more buy-in you're going to have. So by the time it comes to the decision, they've already had touch points and connections along the pathway, and they're going to be more willing to do it. Now, in saying that, some things, sometimes new things come up. And so when those new things come up, that's when you say, listen, there's been a change. This is now we recognize this is impacting this, or this person is new to that process. We're going to need to bring them up to speed and give them the context around what we're doing and where we're going. Then those things happen. But again, just be proactive in both those scenarios. What I like about what you're talking about is uh, two things. One, if during this process, somebody else's department is involved, I see a great opportunity to make a resource grab and bring somebody else onto the project to help work it. Yeah. And, and number two, I want to have that, those types of conversations earlier on to socialize the other boss involved or bosses involved so that when we get to the ultimate decision and maybe we have to go to our boss, then there's two or three of us, we're in alignment. Uh, those other people feel that they have an invest investment in the decision. Their people have been involved in it. And in the end, uh, you know, whether we get the yes or no, we've all come along uh, this process together. Yeah, because, you know, we all have biases and blind spots and uh, some and normally when we're moving a project ahead or making a decision, we normally approach it with good intentions, but sometimes good intentions uh, are not good enough because you don't know what the impact is. And by engaging people earlier on and providing them a safe space for them to be able to uh, say, hey, I'm worried about this. This is something we need to think about that helps you see the thing because we don't see everything. And especially if it's, if it's hitting a department that we really don't understand that much. Yeah, that's cool. And for everybody involved, whether it's, uh, you know, myself an employee or myself and the team or myself and another boss or another team, talk to the people involved, uh, provide context whenever possible, because context is everything in relationships. Yeah. I, I love this one. And again, going back to this book I'm reading, uh, uh, about Netflix, they have this radical uh, transparency principle. And so th there's this one question they ask in it and they say, so they have the different scenarios that you have to answer. And so the one scenario is that uh, in, in, their, in their process, they tell everything upfront to everybody involved. So uh, um, one of the things, the example they had was if you're ha having a restructure of a department, um, would you tell your, if you're at 50, 50% that we may have to make some cuts or changes, would you tell your people that there's 50% chance there might be some changes happening in the department? And the CEO of Netflix said, definitely, because I much more that they're aware if we're going to live this principle of full transparency, that then they know. Um, and so boy, radical, but it, and even if you don't go that transparent, um, providing context around the why is so important so that people can get an understanding of why you're doing what you're doing. It helps me then understand uh, the, the, the reason behind it, the perspective behind it. 
I like that. Uh, you should email me over the name of the show and stuff, and I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a book called, uh, okay. so I definitely will add that because some interesting things specifically around this, uh, uh, this uh, decision-making aspect. Uh, and if it's appropriate, review the process and how the project or issue was handled to celebrate what went well and to catch any learning opportunities. There's nothing better than uh, having a really good discussion afterwards. Yeah. And uh, I, in my, uh, okay, this is my shameless plug. You knew it was coming. In my, in my book, In Search of Safe, Brave Spaces, uh, in the part where, uh, where I talk about communities and organizations, there's a piece that I have in there around two things. One is www.ebi. At the end of every session uh, to do what went well, www, ebi, even better if. Having that, that simple dialogue is such a safe space. I love that. A colleague of mine, I don't know if she invented it or whether she found it somewhere else, but I think it's such a, a great way to get the feedback. And the other thing I, I recommend is to establish love and learning archives. So what did you love about the project? What did we learn? What did we do really, really well? The decision, the project, and what did we learn? What were the mistakes we made that we want to capture? That we want to capture? So if someone's going down this pathway again, they can easily access that information to not make the same mistakes. So I love this idea of making sure you include in the process um, uh, uh, how to celebrate what went well, what, uh, or, and also what we could do better, what we could learn from it. I think it's a great idea. That's such a culture thing too, though, eh? Mm -hmm. And, and we never, we never spend time doing that. And especially we don't spend time looking at the qualitative stuff. Often we'll record and document the quantitative stuff, the numbers, but we don't spend time actually, uh, discussing and capturing the qualitative stuff. And guess what gets in the way of everything? the qualitative stuff. It's the relationship stuff. It's the how we work together that gets in the way. Numbers are numbers, you know? Uh, um, so uh, it's so, so important. I, I experienced a fair bit of that when I was in law enforcement, when I was in specialty units. Uh, people really appreciated that, those types of talks where you're, you know, midway through something or it's at the end of something. And uh, quite often a group of us would sit there. It wasn't... Uh, an official thing. It wasn't something that was structured into our relationships or anything like that, but it, it occurred quite often where you'd have a bunch of investigators sitting around and uh, they go like, what's going on with that thing? And you would, you would have very frank discussions saying, Hey, listen, we, we got, went into this situation and whether it was a process or it was uh, the people involved or just what uh, horror show you were uh, dealing with. We had these really frank and free discussions at times and saying, listen, and it'd be funny because, you know, three months later, somebody come over that you don't really know and you don't work with. And they go, Alistair, I understand you had this situation. And I don't know how they found out. Well, it's because we had a conversation and then other people had conversations and you kind of shared the wealth, whether it was good news or bad news. And it was, it was really impactful to me to have somebody come up to you and say, you were in that situation. Tell me about that. And they end up taking away like a copy of a search warrant affidavit or something like that as we worked out a problem and they went, thank you. And, and so I think it's really powerful, not just for the group involved, but quite often people carry away that knowledge and uh, wherever else they touch in the company sometimes or the organization, sometimes they would share it as well. And, and uh, when you have that kind of free uh, moments to 
uh, talk about things, whether it's good or bad, you know, whether we needed some improvements or we just, you know, Hey, we lucked out. We, this worked out really, really well. It's amazing how those stories are, are transmitted throughout the organization. Uh, and I think it's a good thing. I agree. And you know what, again, if you can formalize that in some way, uh, so again, uh, create a simple database, a love and learning database. And with that, add things like client name, add things like kind of situation. So it's a searchable thing. Uh, and also more importantly, who was involved in that team? Because the informal stuff, you, you, as you described, it's so powerful. Say, hey, I think Alistair had that. But if you actually had a, had a database, you could say, okay, I'm going to work with X now on a thing. What do I need to know in entering that that will make this more effective? And I can go quickly and find out Alistair was a lead on there and he can give some insights onto what happened. I can then call you up. One, it builds relationship. Uh, and, but secondly, it be, brings you so much more information that you can then increase the likelihood of success of the next project or the next decision. Um, but at a minimum, have those informal storytelling connections, debriefs, but even better, figure out a way how to archive and have it accessible um, so that you can get the insights and the relationships quickly. Yeah, the term I used to hear was memorialize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. All right. As uh, employees, there are a couple of things we can do to assist in this situation. The first one, it seems obvious, but uh, as a manager and as an employee, I think it's it's important that we mention it. When you're working on a project or issue, keep everyone up to date. Yeah. And that becomes more difficult when it's getting crunchy or there's something that you're worried about, but that's the most important time to say, Hey, something's coming up. I'm not sure how to do this. Something's coming up. I feel it's maybe slipping and I need your support, even though it might be hurt. It might be scary. Step into it because better to step into it now. And make sure you understand and manage the expectations of the people that are giving you these tasks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what, in the, we, we say this in, in most of our conversations, but if the manager isn't the one who is taking the lead on setting expectations, you take the lead. And, and, and that may involve, after a conversation, sending an email back to your boss saying, thanks, that was a great discussion. I just thought I'd summarize what I understand clearly to be the uh, scope and expectations of the project. If I missed anything, let me know. Um, you know, you don't have to wait for the manager to do that. You can do that. And it gives you really clarity because then sometimes we're, sometimes the manager is just busy. And then if they read something and say, whoa, that's what, what I left. How many times have you left a meeting where you think I'm clear as I'm clear as whatever water, I don't know, clear as whatever. And then you actually, and the other person's leaving clear as to what the expectation is, but you, you folks are just completely in a different direction. I've had that happen. So what I've learned in my later years is uh, when I'm in a meeting where I'm, I'm getting tasked to, to do something or lead something, uh, it's brutal because I go, okay, when do you need this? Who's going to see this? What form does this need to be in? When do you want to see a draft? I have these, these whole thing of questions in my head and, and you know somebody just spent 20 minutes telling me something and now we're going to spend 10 minutes while Alistair figures out exactly how, when, and why and, and, yeah. and everything like that. And I just think it's a really good conversation to have. And, and uh, I think managing people's expectation isn't just right then, it's also during the process because you, know, you get this 
mission uh, creep into all sorts of things all the time. It's a natural thing. We all do it no matter who you are in the process. So I just think it isn't just managing when you're getting tasked to do something. It's, you know, you need to manage up as you're going along so that there are no surprises so that when we get to the end and the decision needs to be made, there isn't any major uh, surprises. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's also like the, you know, uh, famous paraphrasing back and saying, here's what I heard against each of those areas. And then saying, is there anything that I've missed that you believe is critical for the delivery of this project decision, blah, blah, blah. And asking that question then uh, allows a probing space to make sure you have even that extra stuff. And make sure that the project or issue is on point with your manager. So I like to write down, uh, you know, after a meeting, uh, I'm making notes during the meeting, but after the meeting, make sure that, okay, this is kind of my charter. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And every once in a while going back and making sure that I am still aligned with that. And then during check-ins with my, my boss or whoever's tasked me to do this, to go through that process again with them, just to make sure that we're all okay. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting because it's almost like a touchstone making, especially if you have a charter that you've put together, uh, beginning your check-ins with, okay, here's what we said we we're going to do. Here's the expectations. Has anything changed? Because sometimes something might have changed and the manager just may have forgotten to, to let you know, you know, with a thousand things in their head and say, oh shoot. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, Mary's not on there anymore. Here's what we need to do. Here's the new thing. Um, so uh, even having that step in there is a great idea. And respond to all requests and questions promptly. You know, if there's a bunch of questions along the way and you didn't get to answering them or you gave a, uh, just a half answer or you didn't have the stuff at the time, you didn't follow up and provide it, it, it can cause problems when it comes to the decision-making time because the, the boss may not have the confidence in the process or may not have all the information that they needed. And now they're being asked to make a decision about something, but we haven't given them everything at the time that they needed it. And sometimes they ask questions just to get confidence and, okay, maybe they haven't worked with you before and they go, okay, yeah, no, things seem well in hand. That's good. Sometimes it's, it's just a test to see where we are in the process because that maybe they don't have a history with you and they don't, they don't know how you work. They don't know uh, how reliable you are or how busy you are. So I think uh, it's really important when we get those requests uh, that we respond promptly, even if the response is, it's going to take me three days to get that because we're just running a process right now. And I, I don't want to give it to you now because it, it won't be the same as in two days. It'll be a much more informative uh, set of data. So uh, sometimes the response is, can I give it to you on Thursday after we run this process? You give them the context around the delay. Yeah. And what that's great too, is of course, uh, in most situations, your boss probably is reporting to someone else or, or working with interactions with other departments. So the more information you can give them to be successful in responding when others ask, the better. And even if it's uh, not yet, but here's what we're working on. And work on your presentation. Uh, it's almost as important as the project or issue you've been working on. Uh, the way you come across and say, okay, hey, we're done. This is what we have. And how you socialize that solution or, or, or project or whatever it is, you know, I guess it's probably unique to those individual instances. But it's so important that when it comes time uh, to present it, uh, you know, it isn't just, oh, here, you know, drop the piece of paper on the, on the table and run, uh, you know, how are you going to present it? I think, you know, it's important to give a lot of thought to this because you want buy-in and maybe you come in with some of the other team, maybe it's the whole team there and it's like, Hey, yeah, we did this. Right. So I think, you know, some thought about how the presentation occurs 
if you can call it that, whatever. I just think it's really important that we give some thought to that, to give it uh, the seriousness that it needs, uh, to show the thoroughness, to show the unity of the people working on it. Yeah, and you know what? It's uh, I was talking to someone just this morning, coaching somebody, and we were talking about this particular situation. Is and, and uh, we talked about a couple things. One is know who you're presenting to. What do they need? They may be people who need lots of data, or they may be people who just leave a top level and that type of thing. They may want. They may be the kind of person that likes visuals. They might be the kind of person that likes data. So who are they? What do they need? And then secondly, what do you what do you need in this scenario? Actually walking in with a mindset of, especially if it's a decision-making meeting, is to what do you want to walk away with? What do you think they need to walk away with? And have that mindset as you enter into the space. It's amazing the... Uh, increased likelihood of a decision being made if you're approaching it from that perspective. Yeah, I think that's so cool. I think so often we just walk in there. I'm done. Right. right. Give me the yes or no. Right. But it, but it's more nuanced than that. Right. It's it's more uh, subjective than that. Mm-hmm. And push back when appropriate in a respectful manner. And if it gets hot, uh, take a time out and come back to the table later. I think you know when we come close to the decision-making time, and uh, you know things maybe the stress level is up and stuff like that. It, it's certainly not a time to step down. It's a time to reinforce what's going on and expectations, and and making sure that if somebody does have an issue, they actually say what it is and, and give some context to it. I just think it's really important that you know this is your project, and if we're getting to that point and there's there's a little bit of heat, then we we just okay, there's just some heat, so let's talk it out. And I think you're right. It's just uh, how you manage that in a respectful manner. So, uh, you know, it could be uh, to your point that we need to let me step back. I'd like to really consider this. You don't have to sometimes you don't have to answer it right in the moment saying, you know what, there's a couple things that I'm really worried about. And I'm concerned about this and this. And I would like to go back and do some research and be able to come back to you with regards to it, because I think there's something we're missing. You don't have to answer it all in that moment. Uh, sometimes you need a little bit of a break to order to cool down and to bring some facts back up and 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 being forward. But key is to be respectful and and say, you know what, I, I know you're really passionate about this, Alistair, this decision. However, there's something that's bubbling up for me that I'm really concerned about. And I feel it's important for me to put it on the table um, to in, uh, engage around it so that we can have the best decision. And that's sometimes it's a scary place to be if your boss is really focused and believes that they've got the right answer but the best answer for the organization might be something else so you need to be able to have the courage to do that yeah sometimes you just know there's a disconnect you don't know what it is or who it is and sometimes you need to step back and just get some perspective and then maybe a couple other conversations Mm -hmm. uh, and then come back at it again to make the right decisions because the last thing any of us want as an employee or a boss is that we make a wrong decision and don't make decisions that you're not entitled to make. Uh, I've seen this where your bosses are kind of pushing down decisions. And, you know, I have two thoughts on that. It's a great opportunity to develop people, but there's times when something is just so important. It's the boss's decision in the hierarchy of the company and what people are supposed to do and in their job descriptions. And sometimes the boss just has to make the decision. And I know, I, you know, I've had decisions pushed down to me and it's been a really good experience. It's a really good developmental situation, but sometimes, you know, some decisions are just so important that the person that's actually getting paid to make them needs to make them. And sometimes you get managers who don't want to make decisions 
and then you're forced to make the decision. Uh, but um, uh, you know uh, that goes back to the earlier point about pushing back and being able to say, yeah, here's my input, but I really think you are the one that needs to make this decision for this reason. But that can be tough. Yeah, I think we've probably all been in those situations. So, mm-hmm. and I think these situations, the more experience you have in an organization or with other people. Uh, it's easier to have those tough uh, conversations because you have some history, you know what the person's like, they, they know that, you know, you're a good person. And if you're pushing back, it's because you, you feel strongly about something. Um, but uh, I, I would think somebody that's newer in an organization, this is a much more difficult situation to find yourself in. Mm-hmm. I agree. So uh, wrap up, Greg. Yeah, you know what, I think there is a couple things. One is, um one is know each other. It's, it's, this is a common theme. So know what, know how we work and what's important to us, whether you're the manager or the employee, so, so that everybody can understand what's important. And then set those expectations up front because the more you can align to and agree with uh, where we're going, what we need, and how often we need to check in is going to make the likelihood of non-decisions a lot less because there's gonna be uh, alignment throughout the process. And then the, the, the final comment is, to, and you mentioned it in one of the points in here is, give a decision. You know, an, a non-decision is a decision and it's a decision that frustrates people beyond measure. So, you know, think of those three responses. Yes, no, here's why, and always add the here's why, because adding that context is really critical. Or not now, but here's what we need in order to move it forward along along the the decision-making process, because there might be more information needed or a pause required or whatever. But give an answer. There's nothing worse than leaving people out hanging there. I think as uh, how we've discussed today and in other discussions I've had on this type of thing, uh, preparation is everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if you go in there and, you know, you work it out and you, everybody is doing the dance, then the chance of this uh, happening become much lessened. And I, I think after a, 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 an occurrence, after you've dealt with some issue and, you know, you as an employee are frustrated and, and the manager afterwards is a little frustrated uh, I think people need to go away and think about the situation and think about wh- how they handled things, what they did, maybe go talk to a mentor or a fellow manager. Uh, I mean, that's how this podcast started, right? We were talking about our development as managers and we've both been blessed by all sorts of great mentors and examples that we could talk about things to when, uh, you know, we were in a situation that we didn't understand, especially when we were really, really young. And I can think about six people right now I'd like to thank uh, just for their input into my my life. And so I, I think the worst thing that can happen is that there's a situation where a non-decision gets made or it's just a crappy decision because people weren't talking and didn't have things worked out. I think it's so important to go away after one of those situations and, and talk to somebody and just talk it out a little bit. Maybe it's you, maybe it's the other person, maybe it's just your relationship. But uh, I think it's really important that when we we deal with one of these situations that we make something out of it afterwards and, and have those discussions. I think uh, as a, as a manager, um, 
I'm really lucky, Greg, I don't know about you, but I've always had a lot of really good people around me that I could talk to, that I could watch what they were doing. People that would share when they made mistakes and said, Alistair, don't do that. You know, this is what happened. And I love those things. You know, you talked about what managers need. And I found as a developing manager, what I needed was those stories from those people that I worked with to understand what I was supposed to do and understand myself as well. So I think this is one of these situations that can really bring out, bring out the best in somebody, but it can also bring out the worst in somebody if they're not prepared, if, if they don't have the relationship, if they weren't clear. So I, I think this is one of those topics that kind of underpins what we're doing and talking, not ranting. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. Great points. So we hope uh, some of what we've spoken about you find helpful. I hope that we didn't say anything that uh, you took offense to or made you angry, but Greg, your philosophy. Yeah, uh, at the end of each of our podcasts, we end with um, really a philosophy that uh, one of my first coaches taught me and, and I experienced in those first coaching sessions. And I certainly try to create that in the coaching sessions that I have now that I lead. And that's uh, that I would leave each of those co- coaching sessions with both joy and happiness and also some churn and peeved, sometimes some frustration. And usually the happiness and joy is when I recognize the, the progress that I was making, uh, the growth that was happening. And the peeved and churn was when she would identify something or help me see something clearly where I still had opportunities to grow and learn. And both are very effective opportunities for growth and enhancement and strengthening me as a person, as a leader. So we, we do actually hope that as you're listening to our podcast, there are things that you might get a little churny about things that you haven't done very well, or, you know, you messed up. It's okay. It's done. It's now a chance to say, okay, what would I do differently in the future? And to your point, Alistair, who, who maybe can I put around my inner circle to help guide me, coach me and support me as I'm on my journey. So we do hope that uh, we create a little happy and a little peeved uh, in each of our sessions, but our commitment is to provide you with insights for growth in both situations. Now we've developed a habit of calling out cities where we have listeners. And last week, uh, Greg, we called out your hometown which was awesome. I saw it brought a lot of joy into your life, my friend. Yes, it did. Yes. And my family members were thrilled. And apparently there was cookies, but they didn't make it to my house. They just they made did it not. to you. They did not, but they were, they were, they were excellent. Uh, today, uh, do you know anybody in Ashburn, Virginia? I don't think so. I don't either. I don't know who's listening to us down there, but uh uh, there is a, a small but mighty group of people that have been downloading our episode. And I, I, you've never talked about Ashbourne, and I don't think I even know where it is. So Ashbourne, Virginia, whoever's listening or who, you know, whoever you are, group, a singular person, whoever that is, uh, thank you very much for listening to us. And uh, we appreciate it. Awesome. That is great. I love Virginia. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to us. We appreciate all our our listeners. And uh, as uh, every once in a while, Greg and I take a look at the analytics uh, provided by uh, our hosting service. And uh, uh, we're not really analytical type of people, but uh, some, you know, some cities. I found out that um, we've always said that there's people in 50 cities listening to us. Well, apparently that's the limit that they show. So there's probably a lot more, but it's just been really interesting to go up and down the list and take a look at some of the places where people are listening to us. So Ashburn, thank you very much. Well, it's fascinating, you know, because these are universal things. 
whether you are in Kenya, Thailand, uh, or wherever else in the world, Belgium, uh, the United States, Canada, you know, everywhere around the world, it's about uh, managing through relationships. And I, I have had an opportunity to do some work globally and somewhat different because of different cultures and those type of things, but it's all about the lessons and the learnings that, that come across in each of these podcasts are equally applicable no matter where you're from or, or uh, the, uh, the situations that you find yourself in. That's awesome. So thank you, folks. Uh, remember, people matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They're an important part of your job, your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.